Welcome to Inside Track, brought to you by Chiltern Railways. I'm Emma Gascoigne and I recently went out on the Chiltern network to find out some of the burning questions that other rail users have, and in this podcast we'll be getting the answers to them. Over the past three episodes we've had questions about engineering, operations and infrastructure, and today we're answering your questions about ticketing. We'll also be getting the inside track on what it's like to be a train manager. In the studio now, we're joined by Head of Revenue, Paul Beddo, and our weekly staple, Customer Service Director, Alan Riley. Thank you for both joining us today on Inside Track. Hi, Emma. Hiya. Paul Beddo, you've worked in the railway for a long time. What gets you up in the morning? So apart from my alarm clock, coming to work at Chilton is, is a pleasure, I have to say. I've been with Chilton themselves for 16 years now. So just coming into the office and seeing everybody that I've known for a long time, because Chilton's one of these companies where it does have a family feel. So coming into work at Chilton is always a pleasure. And do you travel by train a lot yourself? Yeah, every day into and out of London. Um, I live in Bedford, so it's it's on the uh, Thameslink network. So yeah, every day into and out of London, St Pancras Station. That's a long journey. It, it, it's about 50 miles. Um, so it's about an hour and a half door to door for my commute. Uh, and a lot of our listeners will, will probably recognise that kind of length of time to get to work in London. And what do you do when you're not working? Uh, generally music's my passion, so I like to go and see rock concerts, uh, festivals. Uh, Download Festival's one of my favourites, and, and Slam Dunk at Hatfield as well. What do you enjoy most about working on the railway? So the variety. I've worked in, in many different positions in the railway, so I've been a book and office clerk, I've been a financial accountant, I've been a revenue manager, and I head of revenue for Chilton Railway. So not only... Do you get variety within the job itself, but you can see many different facets of, of an organisation in the railway. So there's from the frontline booking office staff to the dispatchers, to the train drivers, to the head office functions, HR, finance. There's so much difference within a railway company that it never gets boring. So Alan Riley, you're back for another episode and it's on ticketing. Why do you think this one's going to be essential listening? Customers often tell me that ticketing is too complicated, we don't understand it, what your fares, what they are, and there's always a lot of questions around ticketing. So I think having some like Paul here, who's an expert in this field, I think it can help unwrap this and unravel this and, and just bring some simplicity to it and just help develop understanding out there and probably where we're going as an industry with this. So I think with all the questions I hear, this is probably the most relevant of all the episodes, really. Well, on that note, let's get our first question. Why do certain train journeys always have to be more expensive than others? That was a question from a customer at Moore Street. Alan Riley, is there an easy way to explain this? Well, I think there's a lot of dependencies to this. So I think it's hard in terms of... It, it, there's probably questions I'd need to ask back because it, it really does depend uh, what time of day you're travelling, um, where you're travelling between what day you're travelling and then I think then there's a range of options that come out of that for the same journey you could find that an advanced ticket is better for the customer and less expensive than a standard open ticket so I think for me it's about the it's what you need for your journey and that'll impact on the cost you pay for it so it is quite a tricky answer depending on where you're travelling between and the other factors that I've just mentioned. I suppose what operator you're travelling on as well. Absolutely, where in the country. I mean, Paul, what do you think of that? It'll depend on what train operator you're travelling with. So, for instance, between London and Birmingham, if you travel on Virgin, you're going to pay more. And we try to compete with that, although we're not as fast. We try and offer better value fares, so our fares will be generally cheaper than, than Virgin West Coast. And on that basis, it, it really is a competitive market 
where we try to give the best deal for the customer. So some journeys where you go between Birmingham and London, for instance, will have different fares based on what the customer would like to do, whether it's speed that's more important to them or whether the price is more important to them. And then within that, there is time of day will depend on if you're traveling in the busy times or you're traveling in the off-peak, and also what day you're traveling. So weekdays are, are sometimes more expensive than the weekends. So, I mean, in addition to that, we were kind of our fare structure is set from the mid-1990s. So when privatization happened, the fares that were in place for all the operators that existed not on a British rail, those, those fares are now still in existence because that forms the basis of what prices we can charge on different origin destination points and on different ticket types. So from 1996, very little has changed because the government regulates those fares and we're not particularly able to move away from the structure that was in place 20, 23 years ago. So it's, it's difficult for train operators to offer the, the best value fares all the time because the mid-1990s was somewhat different from now 2020 and train travel was, it was a lot less at the forefront of people's psyche. So train travel has grown significantly and what was available and what was relevant in 1996 is particularly not relevant now. But unfortunately, because of the way the railway is regulated, it's very difficult for us to offer anything different. We're going to take our next question now, and this one comes from Banbury Station. When you make a mistake when you buy a ticket, is there a way to get that refunded or change it? So, Alan, could you explain the refund options for customers? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we have a few options. So it's exempt of advanced tickets where we don't offer refunds because they're quite small in value, quite specific to a certain train. So refunds aren't offered there. However, with all other tickets, if you come before you're going to travel, um, if you bring your ticket in, we'll always make sure you get a refund. You know, our teams are there to help. So we'll always uh, make sure that, A, you get, we can refund your ticket if you made an error. We can advise on the best options for still travelling, and we'll try and make sure that you get a refund as soon as possible. And Paul, is there any other advice you'd give to people on getting refunds? So, I mean, even even on the advanced ticket, if you do hold an advanced ticket, it is meant to be specific to the train that you've been booked onto. However, if, if you do want to leave earlier or you, you realise that you're not going to make that train, you can, before travel, actually upgrade your ticket to the a different ticket type. There is a, a kind of a fee to pay for that, but you can change and use the value you've already paid for your advanced ticket to put towards uh, a change in fare if you want to get a, a, an earlier service. So you can do that as well. Do you think you do enough to maybe tell customers about this? Well, I'm really keen that we get better at this. I think if there's two areas, one, we should be clearer about getting a refund and really showing that agility. The other bit that we're, we're actually got a project working on at the minute is actually speeding up the process. Because when you bring a ticket back sometimes, especially with season tickets, that can take a little bit of time. And we're working now on actually how do we really hasten that so the money's back in the customer's account very quickly. Fantastic. We've got another question now from Banbury. In the future, will there be any student discounts for students or any age group coming to the railway except from the 16 to 25 rail card scheme? So, Paul, is there anything in the pipeline that you're working on to give students more discount? Well, I'd say it's a little bit more advanced than in the, in the pipeline. So we have already uh, introduced across the industry the 26 to 30 rail card. So uh, those who maybe have got longer uh, student courses or those who have just come out of university and are in, in jobs that uh, they need some, some help to get to work on. Is that so the millennial a, rail card? Yeah, so that's, it was in the news a while ago. It's been, it was trialled on Greater Anglia for about 10 months and then it was released into the, the national psyche uh, January this year. 
uh, and that's now available uh, across the industry. So that's now in. In addition, there's just been a, a move by the industry to introduce the 1617 rail card as well. So that's for students who are still at school and now because it's compulsory to stay in education until you're 18. Um, there was a gap in the market where those who became 16 suddenly had to pay adult fares to get to school or college. So that that's come in and that's even more beneficial to those students because it actually gives you 50% off season tickets. So where other rail cards themselves don't give you discounts on commuting uh, to and from a place of work or education, the 16 and 17 year old rail card, uh, or otherwise called the saver, that allows uh, children between 16 and 17 to get season ticket discounts of 50%. So they can save a lot of money on their current uh, outlay to get to school or college. So that, in effect, gives them the same price as a child ticket then? Yeah, it, it effectively extends the child um, duration up to 18. So once the 18th birthday is there, then adult fares will obviously apply. But um, there is a four-month grace period after you reach your 18th birthday. Uh, if you still have a season ticket that is uh, not expired, it's another four months after your 18th birthday that you can actually continue to use that season ticket. Oh, that's really good. Have we seen a big uptake in people purchasing that ticket? Certainly there has been on on specifically to Chilton where we've got lots of uh, school children travelling between two points, particularly Great Miss and Amersham, uh, Aylesbury to Amersham um, and also in the Banbury and West Midlands area there's been quite a large uptake uh, on children buying season tickets at a discounted rate. Can you explain how someone would get hold of these rail cards? So yeah, the, the 16, 17 year old and the 26 to 30 are both available online at the RDG website. So the industry website and the industry organisation, uh, you can apply online for the 16, 17 and the 26 to 30 rail card uh, and get that posted out to your, your address. Okay, well, we'll put the, the, the links to that in the show notes. Okay, we're going to get the next question now. And this one's from Hi Wickham. Why is going by rail more expensive than flying? So this is a question that often creates headlines. Paul Beddow, can you shed any light on it? It's all about comparison. I think we need to be clear on what we're comparing when we're looking at airline flights and train travel. So generally, people will look at airline flights significantly in advance of when they want to travel. If you do the same with train travel, there are similar savings to be had on advanced tickets. So long distance is probably the where we compare these two. So between London and Edinburgh, for instance, there are fares of £15 on the railway, as long as you book far enough in advance. Similarly with the, with the airlines, if you were to book the day before you want to travel or actually on the day and go to the airport without having booked a ticket, your airfare will be much more expensive than what you see ahead of time. So this, the same kind of pricing policies apply for both airlines and railway. So yeah, it's, it's all about planning and making sure you're you're clear on when you want to go and what train you want to travel on, similar to what you would do if you were travelling on an airline. Alan, was there anything you wanted to add on that? Well, well, I think Paul's point's a really valid one there, because I think it's easy to get kind of headlines and snapshots. And what we've got to look at here is often, if you buy a rail ticket, if you buy a kind of open ticket, you could probably travel on any train for that day and return in a month's period where... If you're travelling with an airline, you're probably on one set plane there and back. So these comparisons are often misleading and very difficult. I think it's also worth mentioning that most most customers between, as we mentioned previously, the, between 16 and 26 or 30, they can get a discount on our fares. Whatever fare they've purchased, generally you can get a discount on the advance tickets as well, whereas airlines are less able to give that kind of discount. So you can get a third off most of our prices. So although the headlines will say the walk-up fare between London and Manchester is uh, incredibly expensive when you compare it to airlines, 
you can get discounted value off that. Uh, so over 60s get a discount and up to 30-year-olds get a discount. So if you're prepared to book in advance, you can get deals? You can get deals, yeah. Still to come, we've got more questions on ticketing. Plus, we'll be discussing this. And I wonder what the most unusual things um, people have tried to travel on trains. Uh, I'm sure train managers have probably seen a lot. But now we're going to find out what it's like to be a train manager from one of Chilton's long-serving train managers, Kevin Costello. Tickets and passes from Banbury, please. Yeah, that's great, thank you. Uh, you're going Banbury to Marlebone, yeah, that's brilliant, thank you. We're meeting Kevin today, who has worked for Chilton Railways as a train manager for over 20 years. Kevin, what's a typical day like for you? Um, there is no real typical day, because every day can be different. You get on your train and you don't know what passengers, hopefully they're all, all have got tickets and all are happy on their way to wherever you're going, but you could get and it's in really passengers without tickets, passengers with problems, trains breaking down, incidents on the railway. So there isn't really a typical day. Every day can be different, but you're hoping it'll be a typical day when it starts. Where do you normally start and end? Yeah, um, I'm based in Birmingham Moore Street Station and to be a train manager, you have to have route competency. You can only go on the lines that you have route competency on. Um, so my route competency would be Birmingham to London, Marlebone, and then Banbury to Stratford-Cunhaven and Banbury to Kidderminster. We also run trains to Oxford, but I don't have competency on that. So my job today is Birmingham to Marlebone and then Marlebone to Kidderminster. But normally it's uh, Birmingham, Banbury, Stratford-Cunhaven. When there's disruption, what does that mean for you? Um, it depends on the disruption and it depends on where you are. If you're on a train uh, uh, versus being on a platform, it's completely different. If you're on a train, you're more, um, it's more stressful because every passenger on that train has a different problem or a different issue. So, and also it depends on how long the disruption is going to last or what you can tell the passengers about the disruption. If, if you're if you know the disruption is going to last for a couple of hours and you're on a train, then it's very stressful. If you, you know, different passengers could be diabetic, could be in wheelchairs, um, on a train with a disruption can be a big issue. If you're on platforms, it's different. You're trying to organize buses or taxis or trying to work out what's the best options for people to get home or to work or whatever. So it, it depends where you are, but if you're on a train, it's, I think it's probably worse because you're, you're more limited in what you can do with people um, and, and you find out more the problems they have. People kind of start getting very uh, nervous and anxious if they're on stuck in a train for any period of time and if you can't tell them what's going on, they get a little bit more um, worried about it so you have to try and keep them calm and, and give them as much information as possible, find out what their particular problems are or what particular issues they might have that will affect them. Do you know many of your customers after 20 years of working here? I do know quite a few. You get to know people by the, the tickets they have or the tickets they buy or the journeys they make. And you can, you know, you get to a station and somebody has been getting on the train there for the past 15 years and doesn't get on on a Wednesday. You think to yourself, well, where's he today then? And stuff like that, you know. It, it, you see people growing up. There's, um, there was one girl who, Lapward, her mother used to uh, bring her to get the train every morning and uh, she works as a solicitor in Birmingham now 
and all the states were about. I remember when her, her mother used to bring her down to get the train and stuff. So uh, people like that, you see people growing up. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now arriving into London Marlebone where this train will terminate. When you leave the service at Marlebone, please ensure that you take all of your luggage and your personal belongings with you. And on behalf of Sean Rawls, thank you for travelling with us today. Now arriving into Marlebone, all change means all change. So that was Kevin explaining a bit more about his job as a train manager. Spending time with him, it was clear that there is a lot to do as a train manager. Was there anything that stood out to you from that short piece with Kevin? Well, I know Kevin, and he's uh, he's been a train manager for quite a few years for us now, and he's a really good guy. And I think the bit that he touched on there that you can really see is that the relationship between the on-train teams and our customers. And often I'll get a lot of correspondence around just the smaller things, around how, how they have the ability to make someone's day. And it's really pleasant to read. So I know with Kevin as well, he'd always be coming down the train with a smile on his face. And I know he touched on certain aspects that might be stressful there. But what's really positive about him is he'll take the stress out of other people's day. And I think really that's what the team are there to do. So I think they do a great job. And I think it can be difficult at times and can be quite challenging. But I think generally on a day-to-day basis, they really do try and take the strain out of a customer's journey and just make it as easy as possible. And really that's what they're there to do. So, I mean, I think for me, it just sometimes you forget how long Chilton's been around for people. So originally we were in 1996 and then we got a new franchise in 2002. As was just mentioned, seeing people growing up from childhood to adulthood to getting into jobs. We've been around as part of the community for a long time. Uh, and we we sometimes forget this people's lives all the way through. We we help people. We We give them the facilities to get to work. We give them facilities to go and have fun. We're, we're the conduit for how people can enjoy themselves. Well, on that note, I think we're ready to take another question. And this one came from a lady at Moore Street who was visiting the UK for the month. The only question I have is what's the difference between peak and off-peak time for train tickets? Paul Beddo, is there a good way of explaining this? There's kind of a high-level way of explaining it. So when peak is when it's busy and off-peak is generally when it's, when it's not so busy. If you consider during the week, generally people consider rush hour into London to be somewhere between half past seven and half past nine, people trying to get to work. So the busiest periods of of time, both getting into major cities and coming out of major cities are known as the peak. Uh, For Chilton Railways, that's any time before 10 o'clock in the morning. And then in the evening, it's leaving London between four o'clock and seven o'clock in the evening. So it's, it's when you would expect the busiest times to be is peak generally, and then the rest of the time would be off-peak. And can you get different times with different operators? Yeah, so if we take London as an example, London Underground's peak finishes at 9.30, whereas our peak into London finishes at 10 o'clock. So there are differences between a lot of operators, and there are extended peak evening peak restrictions coming out of London for different operators uh, across, across the board. So when it comes to tickets... You would need to travel in the peak. You would need an anytime ticket. An anytime ticket, or sometimes where they are available, you can get an advance ticket as well. They are more expensive than the, the off-peak tickets, but you can get, if you plan enough ahead and you know they're going to be travelling in that time, there are advance tickets available in the peaks as well. Generally, they'll be either in the early peak or the late peak rather than right in the middle of kind of between 8.30 and 9.30. And if you've got a season ticket, can you travel anytime? Yeah, season tickets allow you to travel at any time, during the peak, off-peak weekends, and gives you full flexibility. 
so the season ticket is probably the most flexible ticket we have. So if, if people are confused, though, about these, these tickets, what should they do? Is there a way that they can check to make sure that they've got the right ticket for their journey? So the customers can ask any member of staff. The, the, the Gateline staff will be well-versed on what tickets are, are valid or not valid. Booking office staff themselves, when they sell the ticket, they will be able to inform the customers what time they can come back or what time is, is valid for departure if they're buying in advance. And advanced tickets themselves will have the time of the train that you're allowed to travel on. So that, that should be printed on the ticket and on your itinerary. So there should be no, no confusion there. So I think, yeah, I think Paul's got a good point there. I think what, what makes that easier is if you're booking online, generally you can put the trains you want to travel on. So you can kind of look in that broad area and see if that ticket is valid on those trains. So it makes it, if you want to do all of that before you travel, just have a look on the app or the website and that does make life a bit easier there. Well, our next question follows on quite nicely from this one, and this one's from, from Moore Street. Why are train fares so complicated? I'm, I booked a ticket for 4.15. My work has finished early. I'm now going to spend 45 minutes sitting here waiting for that train rather than taking an earlier one, which is equally empty. So a couple of different aspects of that, that question. Firstly, why are they so complicated, Paul Beddo? Tickets are, in general, at a very high level, quite simple. Now, that might sound a bit odd, but generally... There's only three types of travel people want to make. They want to get from somewhere to somewhere. They want to get from somewhere to somewhere and back again. Or they want to go from somewhere to somewhere else and back again lots of times. That's, at a high level, all people want to do with train tickets. What makes train tickets complicated is the amount of choice that customers want and that train companies have introduced to provide the various requirements for customers. So... On, on top of the layers, those three layers that I've mentioned, you've got season tickets, which clearly will cover off the last version. But the other two, you've got advanced tickets, you've got off-peak, you've got peak tickets, you've got tickets that are only valid with a, an advanced ticket in the other direction. So where, where we require flexibility or choice for customers, that's what makes ticketing complex. It's because of the amount of choice that we have to give our customers. And with, with train companies interlinking across the network where it's different with planes you're on one plane going from one origin to one destination with a train if you want to change services at let's say Banbury or Leamington on Chiltern Railways we need to have the flexibility to offer a a customer the choice if they want to to get off and get on a cross-country service or they'll get on a Great Western service from, from Oxford and all these different interchanges need to be reflected in what fares we charge so that adds the layers and layers of complexity that makes it difficult for choice. What's difficult and what should be simpler is the display to the customer. So the customer should have the ability to be able to see the fare that they want in a more simple format. And that's what we're trying to do through our fares reform uh, and through the, the programmes of work that the Williams Review hopefully is undertaking. And the fares reform is something that you're working together as an industry on? Yes, yeah, so the industry through RDG is working on what's called the fares reform, which is trying to make fares in their still complex nature easier for customers to understand. Now, I don't think we'll ever move away from giving customers choice, but what we hopefully will move away from is making it difficult for customers to choose the right fare. I think Paul's spot on there. I think what we really need to get to a point of here is where it, it's really similar for the customer. It offers value and it's personalised for the journey they're trying to make. So there's still options there. So you can pick and choose what you want to do that meets your needs, but in a much more simplified manner. And I think with the fares reform, I think with the Williams review, I think they're all good things. I think we just need to, we need to see some action now where we do offer a more simplified system. But I do think it's coming. I'm confident that we'll see quite a lot of change in this area. 
that will be better for the customer. On the second part of his question, he was obviously waiting for a particular train because he had an advanced ticket. Why is it that if there is room on another train that he has to wait for that train? Just to kind of build on what we said previously is that that ticket can be changed. So you can go to the booking office and say, I've come early from a train. Is What's the fare for that train that's sitting in the platform that appears to be empty? I'd like to go home earlier. So there is a facility for the customer to change that ticket to be able to upgrade to a more flexible price to be able to get on the train that's standing in the platform. Well, that's nearly it for us. But first, we have one final question, and this one is not about train tickets. So in the many years I've been travelling on trains, I've seen uh, people being on bags and bicycles. And the most unusual thing I've ever seen was a lady travelling with a double base. Uh, She got off the train at Oxford, and I remember thinking that... Yeah, how can you even think about travelling on public transport? And I wonder what the most unusual things um, people have tried to travel on trains. Uh, I'm sure train managers have probably seen a lot. When I asked Kevin, actually, about this question, he said he'd once seen someone bring a giant rubber dinghy on board a train. Have either of you ever seen anything unusual that someone's brought onto a train, either on Chilton or on your commute? Uh, well, one of the things I've uh, read about, I haven't seen it, was um, a lady travelling on a train with a, a large framed photo of Mary Berry, which I thought was very um, very dedicated towards the Bake Off. So, yeah, that, that was slightly strange. And, yeah, when looking at this question and reading up on it, I saw uh, there was a couple who uh, the, the wife was clipping the partner's toenails on the train, which I thought was probably... Uh, not nice of people travelling on that train as well. So. You don't get that on Chilton, though, do you? No, I think we'd find that most inappropriate on Chilton. So, uh, uh, no, you don't. But I'm sure there's many pictures of Mary Berry going up and down the line. So I've read the railway bylaws and I've noticed that you've got a stipulation that says you can't bring livestock on board. Has, has anyone ever tried to bring a sheep? I don't, know. On the train? <laughs> I don't know. They've got to be in there for a reason to, to stop the the people from from doing it i suppose well i've never seen that but it's good to know so if i do spot it in the future i'll be able to quote the bylaws now paul anything that you've ever come across nothing quite like that i have to say probably the the oddest thing not it's not particularly odd but there was a large great dane probably the size of a small horse got onto the the train once between bedford and london now where it was going to sit i wasn't completely sure so it stood in the vestibule for the whole way (laughs) they didn't have its own seat no no it would have taken up four seats that's it for this episode. Tune in next time to get the inside track on train Wi-Fi and hear your questions about improvements. Remember, you can let us know what you think about this programme by tweeting at Chilton Railway or by leaving a review. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.